Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Genesis chapter 19. And I'm going to read you a little text because we're doing the classics. And today's message is entitled Stepping Forward. So Genesis 19, verse 15. Let me give you a little bit of background. Many of you remember this story from Children's Church, from your Bible reading. So God came down himself, him, and it sounds like him and two angels came down, and they visited Abraham and Sarah. You remember that. And then Abraham bargained with God and said, Lord, if there's 50 righteous people, you're not going to destroy the righteous with the wicked. Won't the judge of all the earth do right in this? So he bargains with God, Lord, I'm dust and ashes, don't be angry with your servant. If there's 40, if there's 30, down to 10, he says, Lord, if there's 10 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, are you still going to destroy that place? The Lord said, no, if there's 10 righteous there in Sodom and Gomorrah, I will not destroy it. But the Lord, here's how righteous he is. God knows everything, right? He's all-knowing. But he came down in person, in the flesh, God in the flesh, the Word made flesh. He came down in person to see if Sodom and Gomorrah was as bad as he already knew it was. He's that righteous. So he came down to see it himself. Well, he gets down there, him and his angels, and it's bad. All right? And there's only one righteous person, it sounds like, who is the nephew of Abraham. And that is where our story begins with Lot, okay? So verse 15, Genesis 19, 15, there's a lot going on here. I'm going to focus on a few things. Let's read. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. The angels were already saying, you got to get out of here. We're going to destroy this place. God's judgment is coming here. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. This is tense, man. Even in all this, Lot's the most righteous in Sodom. He's hesitating, right? crazy you look back on this and go why would he hesitate when lot still hesitated the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the lord was merciful someone say the lord is merciful oh he's very very merciful when the they were safely out of the city one of the angels ordered run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley escape to the mountains or you'll be swept away god was about to rain down fire and brimstone He was going to burn that place up, all right? Very, very wicked, wicked, evil place. Um, The night before, even the men of the city were trying to to sexually abuse the angels. It's a crazy story. You need to read it for yourself. Oh, no, my Lord, Lot, Lot begged. No, you've been so gracious to me and saved my life. I don't know why he says this, this whole part. And you've shown such great kindness, but I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there, and I would soon die. See, there's a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. He didn't want to go to the mountains for some reason. wanted to go to a little village. All right, the angel said, I will grant your request. I will not destroy the little village. But hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. You still with me? This explains why that village was known as Zoar, which means little place. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky 
on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. It's in the Dead Sea area now. And it's actually the lowest place elevation-wise on earth. It's well below sea level. Unbelievable. This is where we're going to really get into our story today. But Lot's wife, someone say Lot's wife. We don't know her name. I'm sure there's some Hebrew legends that would tell us her name maybe. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Wow. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Say, wow, that's a crazy way to go into prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and for your word. Speak through me. Flow through me. This is your word. It's not mine. And I will do my best with the help of your Holy Spirit to communicate this and, Lord, to get my point across. But, Lord, to get your word across is the most important thing. Lord, let your word fall on good ground today. Speak to your people in Jesus' name. Somebody said? So she looked back, didn't she? I need you to know something. I really, really need you to know something. This is my first point this morning. God always, always, always deals with sin. Are you there? God will always deal with sin. You say, man, does he bring judgment? Does he wipe out everybody like Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, here's the deal with God. He either forgives sin or he judges it. And how does God forgive sin? Well, you repent of it. You ask him to forgive you. So he's a very merciful God. And you saw how merciful he was in this story. He went and found that there were no righteous people there except for Lot. And I don't know, I don't know what kind of righteous he was, but God rescued him. God knows. Because Lot fell into trouble soon after all that, okay? You read on, it's a bizarre and crazy story about his life. But we know that God always deals with sin. He's merciful, but he has to deal with sin. Why? Well, one of the main, main things is that he is a holy God. He can't look on sin. He can't be around it. He's perfect. He never created us to sin. This is not a condemning message this morning. I promise we're going to get up to a good place this morning, but I need to deal with this. God always deals with sin, and he was dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was dealing with Lot's wife. We'll talk more about her in a moment. She was stuck between moving forward and looking backward, and God had to deal with sin. So while he was dealing with the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was absolute perversion there. People will tell you crazy stuff like, oh, no, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because they were inhospitable. Well, they were inhospitable. They weren't welcoming because they were full of perversion. They welcomed God's angels with lust and, a, and a, tried to attack them physically and sexually. Very, very perverted and strange place. It just proved they were set up for judgment. So God has to deal with sin. If, if we don't repent, if sin is not forgiven, He has to deal with it because we weren't created to sin. Sin brings a curse. Someone say it brings a curse. Yeah, sin brings a curse. It separates us from him. That's why he has to deal with it. It's an affront to him. Remember, all sin is personal to God. All sin. Somebody say all. All sin is personal to God. Man, you've been offended. I've been offended. We've had unforgiveness. We've had to forgive. I pray that you've all forgiven people and you're walking in forgiveness. We've had to forgive. Things were personal to us. But can you imagine every sin on earth throughout all of history being personal to God? So he has to deal with sin. He always deals with it. He has to. And he either forgives 
or he judges it. And once again, let me say this. You were not created to sin. Tell your family, tell your neighbors, you were not created to sin. You just weren't. You weren't created to sin. You were never created to sin. We were created in the image of God, and we fell from God's grace because of our disobedience. And now we live in a fallen world, and we have to deal with, for heaven's sake, we have to deal with a fallen nature. Now it comes naturally, doesn't it? You see, kids are innocent. They don't realize what they're doing. But Scripture says kids are conceived, and they, they already have a sin nature. And that's a tough thing. You say, man, my baby, and we don't know the age of, of accountability exactly. Man, when babies, babies go to be, they, they pass away or something, they go to, we know they go to heaven. They're innocent, right? They haven't been able to decide on God yet. But even kids, you'll see little babies do crazy stuff. Any of y'all? If you took what that child does at one or two and put it in a six foot four man's body, he'd be beaten up and killing people trying to get what he wanted right then and crying and screaming and throwing tantrums and breaking windows, right? But we teach children not to do that. Why? They're driven by a sin nature. You keep something from a kid, they will scream and shout. And, and some kids, until you teach them, they'll try to slap you in the face. I don't play that game with kids. I don't play that game. One thing I'm really tough on is you got to be respectful, man. I'm sweet, I'm kind and forgiving, you got to be respectful. But we see that kids, as a, as a, at a small age, there's a sin nature in them. They act up. They act a fool. My mom would say sometimes about animals and kids, she'd say, man, they acted like a big devil. She said that about the cat one time. They took him to the vet. She said, babe, did you hear about what Ryu did? His name was Ryu, the cat, because he was Siamese. She said, did you hear about Ryu? I said, no, ma'am. She said, he acted like a big devil at the vet today. He's a cat. I don't know that you can train those. I don't know. I don't know how that works. You cat lovers, they're cute. But kids do the same thing. If they're not trained, they will just act crazy. They have to be taught what's socially acceptable. They have to be taught how to act in public. We were out yesterday, man, and it was packed at Albertsons, almost at Jewel Osco, blast from the past. Why? I was back in the 90s with pro wrestling. But, man, my wife and I went. She said, baby, would you go with me? We're going to go grab some groceries and stuff, get our meals for the week. And, man, we were, we were at Albertsons, and it was packed, and it was claustrophobic, and it was busy. But icing on the cake was there's this family, and they had kids, and they were screaming their heads off. Oh, man. And, oh, man, it was just painful. And I'm not as sensitive to, as, to sounds as, to, as Jen. She has like super hearing, like Superman or Superwoman. But man, the sounds were piercing. And I thought, wow, what is going on with these kids? And kids just don't know better. They have to be trained. In the same way, we, we come with a fallen nature. And we have to accept Jesus at some point. Because God is going to deal with sin. Let's go to Acts 17.30. Look at this. Look at what the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. Really listen. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their what? Of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. We know that's Jesus. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. At some point, everything gets judged. Everything. Everything gets judged at some point. So point one today, we know that God always deals with sin. He was dealing with Lot's wife. He was dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah. All right? 
Big point coming up here. Point two. I'm going to just move on. There's some truths from the story. Since God always deals with sin, don't you dare be double-minded. Don't be double-minded. You go to marry a woman, then you are marrying that woman, and the goal is to be married to her with God's hand on your life for life. Ladies, same with you about a man. You go to marry that man. I'm not marrying two women. You know how weird that would be? This is not the Old Testament. My wife would have never had this. I said, baby, we're getting married, but there's going to be four or five of you. I'm going to marry you all at once. Not in our house. Uh-uh. Or can you imagine? Jen says, I'm going to marry you and a, a couple others. No. Uh-uh. Glad she laughed. Can you imagine? Or you're going to be my Sunday guy. Or I tell my wife, you're Wednesdays and Fridays, because Fridays is my day off. You're, you know, you're my, you're my lady those two days. No, uh-uh. You can't be double-minded. This lady, she, you can see it was very Middle Eastern. She was walking behind Lot, and they probably didn't realize she was consumed by the salt and that she had turned back because they weren't looking back. But that verse says, verse 26, it says, But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into, pillar, into a pillar of salt. I can't even give you all of the reasons why that happened. But there's a lot of salt over there now. There's a lot of salt in that Dead Sea. There's salt everywhere and sulfur and all this stuff. And she was entangled with the things of the world. She was already missing Sodom and Gomorrah. Her life was too good there, I guess. She had to turn around and see what happened. But the angels specifically warned them, don't you dare look back or you're going to be swept away. Keep moving forward. You can't be a true believer and worldly at the same time. This may be news for some people, but I'm going to announce it on a Sunday morning. It may not be popular, but let's get ready. We've got to brace ourselves for revival. God's presence is starting to fall here. He's doing things with the women. He's going to do things with the men. He's doing stuff in the youth and king's kids and in your lives. You were never created to be a true believer and worldly at the same time. It's impossible. You can't do both. Threw away some Sprite last night because it was going flat. It can't be bubbly and flat at the same time, can it? Can it? Oh, this food is rotten, but it's fresh. Impossible. Oh, it smells rotten, but no, I think, no, I, no, it's actually fresh. It's brand new. No, no, uh uh. Uh You cannot be a true believer and godly and worldly at the same time. And you can't turn back while walking forward in the kingdom of heaven. God is dealing with me in some areas, even about some of this, saying, man, keep looking forward keep don't be double-minded there's things you say well i don't know i'm indecisive some of us struggle with that sometimes say man i don't know and we all have moments like that just in life say well i don't know what to decide on do i pick the black or the white do i pick the pink or the yellow what do i do here i don't know do i eat a hot dog do i eat a hamburger i guess i'll have both what do i do you cannot be double-minded in serving god if you're double-minded scripture says in the book of james you're unstable in all your ways you're going to fall for something, man. If you're not serving God all out. And my dad has said it our whole lives. He said, man, I've heard him say that. It's crazy. He's probably said it in spiritual warfare in the faith class. But if you're going to serve God or you're not, you're going to serve the kingdom of darkness. you got to pick and go first class. Go all the way with whatever you choose to do, really. I've met people before and heard people say and heard of people saying, this is crazy. But they were, they were focused. They said, you know what? I'm on my way to hell. Can you imagine? That is a frightening thing to hear people say that. 
Said, I'm just living it up. I know, I know this ain't right. I'm probably going to go to hell for this. And Man, I would not play around like that, but okay. All right, you've made your decision. Don't be double-minded. If you're going to serve God, hear me today. Serve him for real. Someone say for real. Serve him. I know you love him. You didn't accidentally show up on a Sunday morning just to look at me, that's for sure. And we got great worship, and it's, it's nice in here, and the temperature's controlled, and there's good people here that are loving. But you came to hear from God, and let me tell you the truth. He's calling us to be single-minded and focused. You either serve him and love him, or you don't. Scripture says, Jesus himself said, you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other by comparison, right? He has to be your priority. He has to be your number one. So don't be, don't you dare be double-minded. Lot's wife, whatever, whatever her name was, she, she couldn't resist. She had to turn back against the angel's command, the messenger of God. She turned back, and she turned into a pillar of salt. She was judged immediately. And not all judgment happens like that. You've seen people playing games with God over the years? They serve God. They don't. They're a believer. They're not really. They're just, people are surprised to hear they, they, they say they're serving God. They don't know. You can't tell how they believe it just because they're all over the place. And they're dealt with. God always deals with sin. But this happened quickly because God was in the midst of judgment mode. And he was dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah right then and there. And she turned around. You say, why did it happen that way? I don't know, but she was warned. God always gives a warning, doesn't he? Is God merciful? Oh, he is mer merciful. He's righteous. He's on target. He's the rock of your salvation. He's, un he, he's unchanging. He's stable. He's always with you, but he has certain requirements. I've said this before. I mentioned it in the staff meeting. It's not a new example. People would think a judge was no good if he or she did not dole out justice and punishment and judgment. Someone say judgment. People are angry at judges or lawyers or whatever. They're mad at the legal system until something happens to someone they love, and they go, man, they better, they better pursue the maximum penalty. I don't think there's a death penalty in New Mexico. It's in other places. It's in Texas. But, man, there's times you can't take it back. People are saved. They accepted Jesus. I've seen people, they really did get saved on death row, but they murdered some people. But now there are consequences for their actions. I remember when George W. Bush was governor of Texas, and there was a lady who'd done some awful things with an axe. I don't know who she killed or what the story was. But she appealed and said, I'm saved. I'm right with God now. I'm forgiven. And I'll, I'll never forget, George W. Bush was governor at the time. And he said, great, I'm glad you're right with God. But you still have to pay the penalty. I thank God that in life with sin, you can be forgiven and Jesus pays the penalty for you. And you go to heaven, right? But in life... In life, in general, there are penalties for things. There are. And don't you dare be double-minded because God will deal with sin. Okay, you can't be double-minded. You've got to seek Him. Someone say, seek Him. Let's make a good confession right where you are. Say, I choose. Go ahead and raise those hands in the air. Say, I choose to serve God with all of my heart and strength and soul and might and everything that is within me. He's my God, and I'm his child, and I will not be double-minded. I will be stable and serve him with a focused, pure heart, in Jesus' name. All right, so point two today is don't be double-minded. And number three, look at this. Look ahead. 
You ever notice the times in your life maybe where you struggle with depression or you struggle with de- despair? Everybody's been there, even if it was brief. Many times it's because we weren't able to look ahead and get hope for the future. This poor lady, Lot's wife, she just couldn't look forward to the things that God had for her in rescuing her. And even Lot, he didn't turn around, but he's, he said, man, send me, you, you told me to go to the mountains, but can't you just send me to the little place over here, Zoar? And what's odd is that in, you continue on the story, he ends up, going, he ends up leaving Zoar because he felt endangered there. So he went to the mountains anyway. So he was kind of double-minded himself. He, he was having a hard time looking ahead, but at least he didn't physically turn around and look back. Lot's wife turned around and looked back, and she was judged. You must look forward. And you know what? Ask God for vision. I don't feel like being a visionary is my strongest point, even as a leader. I don't. I'm going to be honest with you right now. But God gives me glimpses of vision, and I know I have vision for certain things. But some are way more visionary than me, really. I feel like my dad and my wife, man, they're just almost naturally visionaries. They're, they're seeing the future and seeing how it should be, and that is amazing. And God is giving me that in some areas, just to not live in the present and especially not live in the past, right? We can't keep looking back and then just live for right now. Well, in living for right now, we're not going to worry about the future, but you need to plan for the future. You have to. you got to look ahead. There's so much to see, and I have to be reminded of this. There's so much to see down the road. You want to get out of where you are and you're stuck in a box and you're stuck in a corner and you feel claustrophobic emotionally and spiritually and physically. You got to look ahead and say, you know what? There's hope for me. There's there's flood said for women coming. Right. There's a men's event coming. There's a mission trip coming. We'll talk to you about that at the end of the service. There's a mission trip coming. There's something going to happen. Something good is going to happen. You hear B say it all the time. Get your hopes up. Things can change overnight. Things can change in a moment, and there it is. You're headed towards something new and different and fresh. That's why vacations are good. That's why getting out of, you say, I'm not much of a vacation taker. Then get out of town sometime. Clear your head. you got to get out and look ahead. This poor lady, Lot's wife, was not able to look ahead at that time. She was looking back. She was torn. She was stuck in a battle with what was instead of looking forward to what was coming. She was stuck in a battle with what used to be. Who knows? I don't know her life. I don't know if she was supposed to be righteous like Lot. I don't know, but we know there weren't 10 righteous people there. If it was Lot and his family getting saved just because of Lot and his connection to Abraham, we don't know. But we do know that Lot's wife, following behind, she turned around and she got so stuck in the past that she turned into a pillar of salt. Strange, strange story. I remember hearing... Christian legends. You know, there's always urban legends about everything, right? There's always things that you hear. I remember hearing someone saying, man, and it's true, they found pillars of salt in that area, but I remember someone saying, man, they found a pillar of salt and looked like there was a woman inside of it. I don't know about that. (laughs) I don't know. You got to have a lot of faith to believe that. But that pillar of salt is either there somewhere or it got dissolved by the weather and, and, and melted over the years by the sun and wind and rain. But she stood as a monument to the fact that we need to look ahead. And she still stands as a monument, that we don't want to get stuck in the past. Don't be entangled with the world. Don't be double-minded. Don't say, man, I got I to gotta do this and do this. No, uh-uh. you got to look forward to God and say, you know what? I'm called to serve you, and I will serve you only. Many believers never leave first base because they don't look ahead to the things that God has for them. I believe that. 
Many believers never look ahead because they go, well, but what about? I've heard people who were saved over the years go, yeah, but man, we had so much fun in the world. Do you have a short? You have a short-term memory. You were miserable. You didn't know how you got home. There, there was all kinds of stuff going on. There were. I, we're not going to get into all of it. But you were miserable. You had no peace. You were stressed out and worried and despairing. You felt far from God. You felt disconnected. You felt alone. No way. Let's look ahead because that is what God has for you. That is what God has for me. Ask Him to give you vision today. Really, ask God to give you vision for the future. And keep looking ahead. There, you know what? Don't be afraid of disappointment. Disappointment happens to everybody. But God has amazing things in store for you. I promise, not because it's my word, it's his word. Scripture says he has given us hope and an expected end. You can look ahead and say, I have heaven waiting for me, and I have a blessed life now. The world isn't getting better. I don't know if you've noticed. There's wars and rumors of wars, just like Matthew 24 said. There's all this stuff going on, and there are people losing their lives, do, doing the wrong things. There's judgment falling. There's people rejecting Jesus. There's others that have accepted Jesus. They're being killed for their faith in him. The world is not getting better. But your life and your relationship with God and your other relationships can continue to improve as you seek God and serve him and put him first. I can promise you that. He has great and beautiful plans for you, plans for hope and a future and an expected end. So keep looking ahead, dear brothers and sisters. Someone say, look ahead. Uh-huh. Don't get stuck looking behind you. I remember I was, uh, I'll wrap it up with this. <laughs> I was walking our dog a couple months ago, and his hair was growing out, and just growing out, growing out. He was having a hard time seeing. And I was walking him, and he saw a guy with a mask on. I guess it was one of those lawn masks to keep the dust out, those real serious masks. And he was mowing the lawn, and there were vehicles parked in front of the house. And my dog kept, he does this, it's terrible. It's like Lot's wife. He's always looking behind us. He sees a person or another dog. He's like, and I'm like, come on, crew, let's go. Come on, come on. Well, he kind of had hair in his eyes, but he kept looking back, kept looking back. And it was mostly because he was looking back. And, man, he rat, ran right into a truck. Bunk. It wasn't too hard, but it surprised him. Because he was looking at this guy mowing his lawn, and I warned him. He kind of veered away from me and walked into the truck. Boom. Kind of woke him up, like shook his, shook his mane of hair. He was looking back. Here's what I say to you. Don't keep looking back. Look ahead. Look ahead. Scripture says that God's word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You've seen the auxiliary lighting in an aircraft or, or lighting at people's houses along paths? God's word lights your, lights your path so you can keep walking forward. Someone say forward. Always, always stepping forward. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. Just remember, God always deals with sin, so you don't need to be double-minded, and you need to keep looking ahead. These stories are given to show us God's Word and His commands and to teach us and show us what to do and what not to do, and they're a lot of fun, but, man, there's so much truth in them. So much truth in God's Word in these stories. They're there for a reason. Is there anyone in this house who has never accepted Jesus or made him the Lord of their life and they've been double-minded and they need to accept Jesus and make him their Lord? If that's you today, please raise your hand. I want to pray with you. You say, I need to make Jesus my Lord. If that is you, raise a hand and we'll pray together. You say, man, I'm not right with God. I want to serve him. I want to put him first. If that's you, raise a hand. Just making sure. It's so important. It's important to God. 
It's important to me, and it's, I know it's important to you. All right, we've got to make sure that your eternity is secure. Here's what I want you to do with those heads bowed and those eyes closed. I want you to repeat this prayer with me for those joining us on the live stream or for anyone else who maybe didn't raise their hand. I want you to say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I need you more than ever. I can't save myself, and I can't cleanse myself. I need you, Lord. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. Come into my life. Say this. Say, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Not the devil, not the world system, not possessions. Say, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And say, I believe Jesus died and rose again for me. Save me, Lord. Come into my life. Save me from hell, from my past, and help me to look forward and move forward in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want everybody in the house to stand to their feet, and I'm going to pray with you before we take up our offering today. I'm going to pray with you. You're still in need of a miracle. Get that hand in the air. Let's believe God for miracles today. Go ahead. Let's believe God. Let's unite our faith today, right now. Father, I thank you that you are meeting needs. You've heard the prayers of these righteous people, these people who love you, and you are giving answers to their prayers as they pray according to your will. We pray in Jesus' name according to your will. Lord, you give us answers to these prayers, and you bring these miracles into our lives. We're going to hear about it all this year. This is the year of miracles, and we declare it. We declare it, and we believe it, God. Miracles all over this place. I declare multiple miracles a month for everybody in this house who really seeks you and asks you and worships you, God. Thank you for those miracles. Thank you for hearing your people. Thank you for loving us. We love you back. Our love for you is a responsive love, and you loved us first, and we love you, Lord, and we thank you for hearing us today, and we worship you, and we give you all the praise, and we believe for these miracles. We believe we unite our faith. Somebody say, I believe. One more time, say, I believe. In Jesus' name, amen.